Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Louis Falgu. And I am your other host, Stephen Falgu. Get Wrecked is our occasional podcast where every week I recommend something to Louis, and Louis recommends something to me, and then we discuss the recommendations. Hey! Hey, Stephen! Hey! Hey! Hey, Stephen! Hey! Hey, Stephen! This again. Hey! Hey, Stephen! Hey! Hey! You know what your name sounds like? What, what, what's that? Peeven! <laughs> and I'm one of the many fruits voiced by Tobuscus. Hey! in a biscuit. Hey, 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 Tobuscus fruit, hey! What's that? Knife! And uh, with that, I think we should move into what I recommended to you last week, Stephen. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so um, last episode I recommended to Steven the album Earth 2. This is the debut album by drone metal act Earth. Um, This album was released in 1993 and is considered the foundation of the drone metal genre, as well as a massively influential album in the worlds of drone and experimental music in general. Um, And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. So I have never heard... Or listen to drone metal. I don't know if that would surprise you, but I'm bringing back an old catchphrase, which is I have never heard of this before going into this. So I am only mildly even familiar with um, like the noise centric genres or genres around ambience. Uh, so this was kind of like a brand new experience. And it has all of the trappings of being in the room with somebody tuning their guitar while a band plays five rooms down from you. And I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good. Like, I listened to it with my ears, and my ears were like, this isn't good. But then something happened. (laughs) Just like last, I want to say last week... It's like the more I listened to it, the more I was like, I can get into these lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax and chill to. And this time, I will say this, and this is probably honestly just what this type of thing is best at. Like just putting it on in the background, I was playing some games, I was like doing something else. Just having it in the background was, was pretty good. Especially because I was playing like a Dark Souls style gaming experience, which itself is kind of metal. Having that like ambient metal really upped the overall experience. Now, I don't think that I would listen to this or anything else in this genre ever again, to be frank. But I will say, as I listened to it more, I started to understand the composition and the layering And where my initial listen, it just all sounded like noise. As I listened to it more, I started to parse melody and uh, the the sonic experience, some of the guitar work and drum work, especially as you get into like uh, track three. This is only a three track album. Track three, just the guitar work through the throughout the entire experience, but. 
With all that being said, it was eye-opening in a way, but I think from here on out, I'm going to close my eyes back up and probably <laughs> yeah. never yeah. relate to anything in this genre ever again. It's kind of like Tool, how they opened your third eye and then you shut it, you know, because Tool opens yeah. people's third eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so one of my favorite things about Earth 2, in fact, it probably is my favorite thing about Earth 2, because I don't like Earth 2 at all. Um, but I think my favorite thing about Earth 2 is on the back of the uh, CD for Earth 2, like on the back cover, there's all these like uh, mock p- uh, parody quotes that say like, I don't have the CD on me. Um, let me pull up an image of it, actually. Earth 2 back cover. It's pretty funny. Um, but it's also the way people talk about this sometimes. Oh, this isn't the Earth 2 back cover. This is the back cover of iPhones with what earth 2 album back cover here we go okay um some quotes like a new yet seemingly ancient kind of experience dot 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 very unusual dot 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 a physical presence in the room dot 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 i can almost touch the sounds forget drugs and alcohol dot 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 i am now very very mellow um i just find that pretty funny because i think it's like a cute like oh like Look at these, like, magazine ads for what this would be like. But it's interesting, because I don't know, like, how much of this album was a joke. Um, I've heard varying things on that, whether, like, this was kind of just a funny thing they were doing, or if they took this super seriously, or what. Um, but, um, But regardless, like, those mock quotes ended up being, I think, the way a lot of people interpret listening to this, and interpreted this and it's how this album influenced so many other artists i mean like i I don't uh the world of drone metal seems kind of vast because on one hand you have stuff like boris who get called drone metal and they definitely do like work with drones but there's certainly a lot more like a standard metal act than fucking earth is um and then you've got stuff like sun which i have never uh listened to uh but if i understand it correctly sun is a lot more like this where it's kind of like mostly just guitar and really really long notes um, but I think Earth 2 also, like, definitely had influence on just drone in general. Like, I would imagine a lot of, like, people going on and making, like, their Bandcamp experimental drone album that's, like, a one-hour track of one note or something probably has heard Earth 2. Um, so it's, like... But I think a lot of the goal of music like this, at least from people who do take it seriously, is that it does, like... it's It can be very lifting. It can be, like, um, super relaxing and super mellow. And also uh, that you can get a lot of texture out of one note if you linger on it for a really long time. And I can definitely agree with all those things in concept, but I feel like the thing about Earth 2 is that... I, I don't know what this was recorded with, because I find it kind of funny that, despite the fact that, like, the only thing on... At least the, uh, on the first two tracks is literally just guitar. I think it's two guitars. Or no, guitar and a bass. Um, it's a guitar and a bass, I think. And then on the third track, there's, like, some cymbals. But other than that, it's, like, that's all they're working with. So, really, you have to record, like, what, a bass and a guitar. You have to record, like, an amp. Um, the sound quality of this is really, really bad. Like, this is recorded very poorly, which is kind of just funny to think about. That, like, this should be the easiest thing <laughs> to do. Like, okay, we got a guitar player. Let's just, like, mic that up, and that's it. You don't even have to worry about anybody else playing in the same room or anything. Uh, it seems easy, but... I feel like that's where this really falls flat. So, like, at least when I listen to this, like, I'm not able to, like, really, like, listen into these to these notes and to these drones to really pull a lot of sound out of them or a lot of different textures or um, or ambient room noises or anything because the re- recording quality just isn't good enough. Um, but uh, that being said, um, 
I do feel like it, it is kind of like, um, I don't know. Maybe it's fun as a patience tester, like to actually try and sit and listen to this, like, um, intently. Like, probably takes a certain kind of person to be able to just do that and just vibe for, like, the, what, like, one hour length of this or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, well, that was my first listening experience. So let me tell you, it's not good. It's bad. Oh, Don't I know. I, I've tried. I've I tried multiple times. It didn't didn't catch me. Um. Yeah, I, I, would you not say that the recording quality is a portion of this thing's charm, though? Uh, maybe it is for some people, but to me, no, because I like. I, I think drone is, is, is a really cool concept. Um, I, I haven't listened to, like, a fully drone album all the way front to back uh, aside from this, though I have heard, like, drone tracks. Uh, I'm at least familiar with drone to, like, some very basic degree. And I already know that I've heard... Dr- or I've heard drones used in other kinds of music, though, a lot. So, like... And I think the concept of drone, which, for anybody who doesn't know, is essentially a really, really long note. That's what a drone is. Um... And that the genre of drone is just working exclusively with that, essentially. Um, like, I think that concept is awesome because I've heard drones that were profoundly impactful. Like, stuff that because of the way it was recorded and the sound quality of that of that tone, you hear so many things. And it it is eye-opening. It's actually kind of, it can be mind-blowing to realize, like, how much untapped musical potential um, there is with something like that. Like... We always want to organize notes into melodies and stuff like that, but you can actually get a crazy amount of sound out of only, like, one note or one chord or something like that. And I feel like in order to do that, though, in a recording, you need to have recorded that sound well. It needs to be produced well so it can capture what it might sound like if you were there live. Um, So maybe, like, in this case, that might be part of the charm, I suppose, but, like, for me, like, it just, that's what makes it lack everything that it could otherwise have. Can you imagine going to a live performance of Earth 2? Uh, yeah, like, and I imagine it would actually be pretty sick. Like, just, like, vibing out in a stadium with at least ten other people and uh, <laughs> listening to Earth 2 hey, live. Hey, this album is popular, okay? Uh, I don't know about at the time, though. But there, there are acts like Sun who do this kind of thing live. I've seen, like, live performances of Sun where, like, the dude's got a guitar and playing three notes, uh, one note and, and then... Uh, two notes below it like really really slowly over the course of like tens of minutes and there's a lot of people who go to these shows and what you have to remember that something that you would get in a live um, setting of music like this that you wouldn't get in a recording at least not in most cases is imagine like if you've been to a live rock show you know how loud the sound of like just the guitar amps can be and like the sound of a bass like just goes through your body you know even in like your standard rock show, this is a feeling you get. So if you imagine this kind of thing in that setting where the sounds coming off the walls, the, the, the low tones are going through your body and like you're just overwhelmed by that sound and sensation, you can start to imagine, I think, a lot easier what the appeal of this would be. I just wonder, like thinking back to 1992, 1993, that they put this on a studio album is wild to me. Like that this, that there was a record label that picked this up is crazy to me. Especially when you consider like, I mean, the early nineties definitely had some experimentation. You think about grunge and those sorts of things, but this is like, 
really out there for the time. Yeah, I mean, in the world of, of metal and rock music, certainly. Although, it, it's worth noting that, like, you know, experiments of this sort had been going on in the world of, like, modern classical music and experimental music for way before now, you know, for way before this. But I will grant you that, imagining being a label, signing Earth, being like, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, we'll mass distribute your project is definitely pretty yeah. crazy. Because at least, like... Imagine the, the album, the record label executives listening to it, they're like, <laughs> okay, all right, that was a good first note, uh, so yeah. let's... Where's the rest of it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we have to sell this? Um, yeah, like, I mean, well, when you talk about the world of classical, like, a lot of those composers at least have, like, prestige behind their names, you know? Although, if I'm not mistaken, one of the two one of the two members of this band was, like, friends with Kurt Cobain or roommates with Kurt Cobain or something, so probably had something to go off of there. I don't know if he worked with Kurt Cobain, um, but I am aware of that, so I don't know if that helped him in getting a sign or, or what. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it is just uh, it is just it is just very weird to think about, and it's also weird to think that like other metal musicians heard this and were like, "We're going to incorporate this kind of thing into what we do, or we're just going to carry on what Earth had done here." It's it's definitely odd, like. As an experimental album, as a drone album, I don't think that this is super surprising to listen to, but, like, as a metal album, like, what the hell were they thinking? Like, imagine being, like, another metal band, like, coming out of the 80s, you know, where a lot of metal was starting to lean much more and more towards technicality and speed and aggression and all this stuff, and then, like, these dudes show up, and they're just like, we're just gonna, like, play a note for 30 minutes. It's just like, what the hell? I will say this about the album. It's interesting because... I feel like, although you did mention, there's definitely experimentation in this same genre of music in like a classical setting and those sorts of things. And experimentation with sonics, as you think about playing in a live, playing as a live orchestra, like as you mentioned, even if you think about playing something like this in a live setting, you have you have um, sound bouncing off of walls and those sorts of things. But the one thing that I did think about when I listened to this I don't know, probably like the third time was this is something that feels so distinctly defined by electronics. And I think that that's a cool thing that this album brings forward. And I'm sure at, I mean, at this point it's like absolutely advanced since then. And even if you think about everything that came before it, it's like specifically because you have electric guitar, electric bass, and those sorts of things on this album, you get a very distinct sound quality and a very distinct sound texture that I think is something that I feel like most likely was the reason why that this influenced so many others to come later. Yeah, and also, it's it's not even just, like, using a, an electric guitar for this, but you also consider, like, it's, like, a metal tuning with, like, a metal distortion guitar. Like, this, the way this guitar sounds on this album, you could very much imagine being in, like, in, like, a, a broader metal setting, you know, like, uh, maybe not, like, thrash or something, but maybe something like sludge metal or something like that. You can, like, really, you hear that, that heaviness, and even, you could hear this in, like, a, you know, Black Sabbath recording or something, like, and I think that, that tone and that tuning probably really wasn't explored um, in this way. And, um, you know, I guess it could give you an appreciation for that kind of sound. But, 
yeah again like th- this is my problem is that I, I i think this album's interesting to talk about but like listening to this i think it just falls completely flat in its face because again it's just not recorded well like that's literally all i ask for i am they did not lose me at the concept here like most people would definitely be lost at the concept especially if you told them that the third track which is the longest track in here it's 30 minutes is literally just one note it is literally one note um <laughs> nothing else the first two like have melodies um albeit well, with percussion yeah well well yes there is like there are like symbols there are symbol crashes but the actual the 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 it's just one otherwise it's just one note being extended for 30 minutes um by the way which is pr- pretty impressive to keep layering that and to keep playing it in a way so it sounds seamless because you can't actually just i hold a guitar note down and just let it do that forever they probably use pedals and stuff like that which is i guess kind of neat um they didn't lose me with that though um, in fact, that third track's my favorite one here. Uh, so they didn't lose me. But what I think my, my issue is then is they lost me in the execution, really, which, uh, you know, maybe you can't blame them because maybe nobody working on this had any fucking idea how you would want to make this sound anyway, since it was kind of a new idea with this um, setup. That's totally possible. Um, but still, like, that just just where it falls flat for me. I haven't been able to find a, find a listening environment or a volume of listening to this where that problem goes away for me. It's something I always notice, and I definitely think it's what makes this not work for me. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. Uh, well, this thing is kind of hard to talk about because it is just three tracks. Each of them get progressively longer and uh, have progressively less going on. So I think I've kind of said my piece, Lewis. I don't know if you have anything else to say about this one. Oh, oh yeah, no, we can wrap it up. Go ahead. Okay, so I know last time, I remembered this, someone in the chat thought that I would give this album an Earth 2 out of 10. I will not be giving it a 2 out of 10. I actually kind of liked it a little bit better than a 2 out of 10, but only marginally, so I give it a 3. I don't recommend this. I don't think it's a good listening experience. I feel like there are very, very niche, niche situations where I would even listen to this again. As I mentioned, it was kind of an interesting listening experience as I had it in the background of some other things. I think that's probably where this thing shines the best and where a lot of this ambience obviously shines the best. But for the most part, no, I do not recommend it. Yeah, uh, I would give this a five, actually. Uh, I'm right down the middle with it. Because, again, conceptually, I think it's cool. Um, And uh, I I am still open to hear, like, more drone metal of this variety. Like, I'll totally listen to Sun. Uh, I know Sun's, uh, you know, maybe some more Boris. Like, I'm I'm totally down. I think it's cool. Um, And I think if this album was recorded well, I'd actually like it a lot. Because I think some of the uh, melodies they're working with are actually fairly cool. And um, some of the ideas are fairly cool. And and all that but it's just like as it stands it just feels like it's just poorly recorded which again is like such a major element here it cannot be overstated how much that matters considering that it's one of the only like working factors to what this album is anyway um so i would just need better sound quality is really the only thing um but um yeah i mean i'm shocked you didn't absolutely loathe it because that's what i thought was going to happen that's why i wrecked it i mean i don't even like this album so i wasn't trying to get you to see a ton in it really um and uh, i mean obviously a three is very low but it's true it is not an earth two out of ten so i guess uh, there is that and uh would i recommend this um no not really i mean no i wouldn't uh i know there's there are there's definitely a crowd that likes drone and that thinks this album is a masterpiece and a classic so if it sounds like it's for you you know go ahead and give it a shot but like would i recommend this to your average person or even your average music listener no i really would not um so 
that's all I have to say. And uh, should we move on to what you recommended to me, Stephen? Yes, we should. Okay, go ahead. Lewis, last time I recommended to you the multimedia series, I guess you would say, but most famously YouTube series, Annoying Orange. Annoying Orange is a YouTube series started by Dane, some last name that I can't pronounce. He shows up a lot in videos. Uh, basically, Annoying Orange, the premise is there's an orange and he's annoying and they make puns and stuff. They ended up getting a TV show for a while. They had merchandising and video games and anything you could possibly imagine. I think at this point, they're still going strong on YouTube and nothing else. But with that, I will hand it over to you, Lewis, to talk about the Annoying Orange. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, okay. This is one of those weird relics. Like, God, think... it, it's... It's so hard for me to give an intro to something like this. I feel like it's it's weird, because first of all, l let's say something right off the bat. Annoying Orange is still going strong. Like, at least as strong as an old channel like this could possibly go, they're doing pretty well. Uh, which I was surprised by, because I hadn't really... Like, it's not like I've seen Annoying Orange around lately. Like, last time I remember Annoying Orange being a thing people talked about outside of, like, ironic memes, it was like, God, like, half a decade ago at least... Um, so it's pretty crazy, but good, for, good for them. Um, and yeah, I remember them getting a show and all that, but like, it's just crazy to me to think about the fact that they're still going at all because like, this is the kind of thing that just, the, I don't think you could explain this to somebody and get them to understand why this ever took off if they hadn't have been on YouTube and been on the internet around like the early 2010s and the late 2000s. There's just no way they would understand. They would have no frame of reference. Because, I mean, I was around for that. I was massively into YouTube at this time. I liked the Annoying Orange when I was a kid. Um, I liked Danebow before Annoying Orange came out. I remember when that video released, and I, I remember watching it, you know, before it had blown up, because I was a fan of him before. Prior to this, he did these really stupid videos of food with faces, like, screaming when they get cooked. Which is a joke that's really not that funny. But there is something kind of, like, charmingly simple about some of those old videos. It's just weird, though. Um, but as a kid, you know, it was funny. Um, and, and yeah, like, even though I was around for it and watched all of this, like, I still haven't gone back to this. Like, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, like how did this take off? I will say this. Um... The first Annoying Orange video, hot take, okay, it's not that bad, okay? I, I was the first thing I watched. I tried to watch the early series and watch, like, every episode up to, like, 10 or something. I couldn't figure out the order after a certain point. Um, but I tried to watch all the original ones to give myself some context for whatever I was going to see next and try to remember these videos. And the first video is, like, I'm not going to say it's funny because it's not. Um, but it's close to being funny. I can at least see what the joke is, that it's like like sort of like a parody of like a kid's show kind of thing where it's like, oh, this character's so annoying. Don't you just like hate characters like this, you know? Um, and then like they kind of are like, oh, shit, it gets dark. And then like the other guy dies and it's like, out, you know, you don't expect it. And whoa, uh, and the video like takes a turn. Um, 
I do think that the little gag at the end of him then turning to Pear, who you didn't see the whole time, and Pear's like, fuck. That's well, not what he says. He doesn't say fuck. There's no F words in Annoying Orange. You can show this to your kids. But um, I think that's, like, actually kind of a decently funny gag. So, like, I can... I can see that, okay? Like, I think that that video is not unbearable by any stretch, okay? But it's not really that great either. It definitely, though, I will say, surpasses the standards of some viral videos from around that time, so I'll give it credit for that. But, like, God. Going past that video, I mean, even onto the second one and onward, I have literally no idea how people were, like, following along with this and enjoying this. Aside from, like, literal children, which maybe was always the audience. I guess that's, you know, definitely possible. Um, but aside from that, like, what in the hell? Because literally, I will, it's funny that the first episode definitely comes across as, like, a parody. Because it definitely does. It's funny because after that point, this series just turns into, like, this... Literally the entire joke is the things Annoying Orange says... That, like, he's annoying and he's wacky and funny. Like, and it's just like, what the hell? Because that was kind of the opposite of what I felt like they were going for in the first episode. But from that point onward, he's like the star. He's so funny. His terrible puns are supposed to be funny. They're not even, like, bad in a funny way. Um, and, you know, for a, at least a long while, then it ends in the other fruit dying. And it's like, well, yeah, you like, you know it's going to happen. It's not like it's unique or clever or interesting anymore. And then it gets even worse because then they start doing it where, like, the fruit will die, but then it'll, like, for example, there's a tomato that gets um, grinded. And then it comes back on a plate as ketchup, and Annoying Orange says another joke to him, and he's still got a face even as ketchup. And it's, like, playing the stupid corny, like, rockabilly in the background. It's just, like, I don't even know... I just, I just, at a certain point, I just completely lost the understanding of what made this hit at all, but I don't know. It is wild that not only are they still going, they're going with, like, multiple videos a week across, like, ten different channels. Like, there really is something to be said for the amount of effort and time that that takes now is that time well spent maybe not but it's like gaming channels and kids version and regular version and it, this is absolutely to me the annoying orange is like pinnacle peak early like youtube and there aren't many channels that have survived for as long as annoying orange has I think in that time frame, it's like you have PewDiePie's coming up. You have like Smosh that was like way, way early YouTube and maybe a few others. But for the most part that this thing has survived because it truly is, as you mentioned, like a relic of that time and that it's still going strong. And the other thing I'll say, it's like in a weird way, this is kind of what kids media has become. I don't know if Annoying Orange directly influenced that, or maybe I should say directly influenced the algorithm so that it is that. But if you look at, like, YouTube Kids, it's, like, all this kind of stuff, and it's wild. Now, this, absolutely, they put a lot more effort into this than a lot of other kids' kind of channels do now, but... 
even still, it's just so crazy to me that this has lasted as long as it has. And that's nothing to say for the fact that at a certain point they had even a show on Cartoon Network. And they weren't the only YouTube channel. Like Fred had a show and some others. But that they got a network television show from YouTube is just so bizarre. Well, it's especially bizarre, again, when you actually watch, like, the first episode. Because, like, again, it's like it was parodying this. And it just became it, like, unabashedly. And it's found success just being for kids, which is, I just, honestly, it's so hard to believe. But what's even, (laughs) what's even crazier is, so I didn't just watch the early episodes. I watched a good amount of them to get a good feel for it, okay? Um, But I went forward and I started watching um, the newest content that this channel produces. It's shocking, okay? <laughs> like, it's hard to describe. So it's it's literally just kids and toddlers watching this now. It's very obvious. Um, like, that's what this content is very, very clearly geared to. It's, like, basically a baby show. It's, like, you know, the kind of thing that, like, you have um, YouTube Kids for, where, like, YouTube Kids will just cycle through, like, kids videos so that if you're a parent you can kind of just give your kid the phone and they'll watch the videos that's what these videos very much are now there's this series ask orange and like all of the comments are clearly from children um and they're constantly asking them to drop things on pear so you just get a ton of like scenes of pear screaming as stuff falls on him which you can you can see how like toddlers would enjoy and you have like references to five nights at freddy's like i saw one where there were foxy jump scares in it i saw another one with i saw multiple with a bunch of baldy's basics references and these are things that i barely know about like fnaf i i know about but baldy's basics is just something that kids have liked for a couple years i don't even i still don't know what it is um and stuff like that where it's like it's so weird to see like annoying orange and five nights at freddy's coming together officially it's just bizarre to me because I, these are like worlds that feel so far apart to me, but apparently not. Um, they're also like, like I saw one where they were doing like a hydraulic press challenge and it was just awful. And let me say as well that the annoying orange character has gotten even more annoying. His voice is different now. Uh, they basically just fart a lot. They do a lot of farting. Um, there's this weird like thing with TNT where like there's always TNT and it blows up. Look, I'm not a toddler, so I don't know. Like, toddlers would probably really have a good time with this. I'm just saying that I find it so bizarre watching, like, their new content. And even watching stuff they were doing a couple years after, like, I forgot about this channel. Like, when they were doing song parodies, I watched a... The infamous Gangnam Style parody, the Orange Nyanya style. It is... It is hell. But I saw one that was even worse, which was the Friday parody, you know, Rebecca Black's Friday. But it was fry, as in French fries, Friday. And it was, like, the worst thing. Like, one of the worst things I've ever seen. But it was another place where I was just like, I can't even believe that not even, like, three years after, like, that first video came out, like, this is what this was. And I, I take it that was probably around the time that the TV show was going on, too. So, like, this brand, I don't even know what this is anymore. And you mentioned the gaming channel, which I didn't watch, but I am aware of it. Um, I can't, like, what the hell? Um, and, I, I mean, props to the team for managing to still make money off of this. It's, it's shocking to me. It's crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
I just want to go through some of the quality content that Annoying Orange has produced. Lewis, of course, you mentioned their song parodies, but they not only parodied songs, they also parodied, parodied um, media, various other forms of media. So let me just talk you through some of the puns on this list of puns I'm looking at. Now, Annoying Orange, of course, always has puns. That's one of the staples, other than the knife killing things. Um, so, Lewis, I just want to get your your a take on some of these. If, if you want to go ahead and rate them, yeah, that I'll might rate be them. good. I'll rate them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, let's do a rate rating from one to pun. Sounds good. Uh, okay, so here we go. So let's start with um, let's start with a good one here. So, Lewis, of course, you remember the classic YouTube video, David after dentist. Oh yeah, yeah, classic. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so let me go ahead and read you the pun for this one. Okay. Orange after dentist. That's that's a one. That's a one. Okay, that's that's a one. That's gotcha, gotcha. That's gotta be a one, yeah. Okay, so let's see if I can hit you with a better one here. Okay. Um so you know of course the band Nickelback. Yeah. How about pickleback? That's a pun. Okay. That gets a pun. Okay, good. That gets a pun. Okay, good. Um, all right. So then let me hit you with the final one. Okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know the movie Taken. Classic. Well, what if instead of Taken, it was just called Bacon? I'm going to give that a P-U. That's two letters Ooh. of pun. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's harsh. Lewis, I want to talk about some other things that this channel has done that I'm looking through the Wikipedia list now. Um, so apparently they've done Mystery Science Theater 3000 style like spoof videos over movie trailers. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing here is they've done a show where they interview celebrities. <laughs> I'll talk you through some of the celebrities here. Now, most of them are uh, internet celebrities Flew LeBorg. I don't know why he went on that. Uh, Miranda Sings. Rhett and Link, of course. You know all these classic YouTubers. Uh, But then Weird Al. Do you know about Weird Uh, Al, Lewis? uh, Have uh, you heard of him? Yeah, I I have. I uh, missed that one. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's just so much that they've done. And, Lewis, I want to hit you with one last... I know I said it was the final, but I want to hit you with one last pun. Because... They had their own line of comics. Um, I guess somebody made a comment comic out of Annoying Orange. They only ran for seven issues. But the sixth issue was called My Little Baloney. Well, I have to give that a pun. I mean. Okay, I thought you might. Yeah, I, you I, might. I can't. I, come on. Yeah. By the way, that is something to note that the puns, um, the puns aren't really puns. They're just things that rhyme. <laughs> I noticed that. I didn't notice it at first, but I did notice it after a little bit. I think the reason is that, again, like, originally, Orange being annoying and not being funny was what was the point. Um, but very quickly, it wasn't anymore. Like... And he was carrying the show. 
And, like, when you have to focus on the things he says, you realize it's like, wow, this is not very creative. And, I mean, especially as you go, like, years in where they're still doing this shtick. It's just like, I can't even... Like, writing this must be pretty easy. Like, I I will grant that the process of making these episodes is definitely more effort than a lot of other YouTubers who make content this regularly have to put in. But the writing process is definitely the shortest part. Okay, that part probably doesn't take too long. I can't imagine that that part's too hard. Um, And it definitely shows... I mean, it's just like, like, obviously, this is awful. I mean, like, you you know, I, I mean... I wasn't really gonna come here and just talk about how awful it is, because first of all, everybody knows that. And even if you didn't know it, you could probably guess just by looking at the picture I have on screen. It's like, yeah, it's awful. But it, it's just interesting to me, I guess. It's like, it's like, it's just bizarre. I, I, I just cannot imagine something like this coming up today. Even with the, the YouTube Kids landscape, which you, which you said is very much takes a lot from this and basically just kind of is this these days, which is not something that I thought about, but I totally agree with you. And it was kind of crazy when you said that. And then I really thought about it and I was like, yeah, that is kind of true, which is again, is again, it's kind of funny because that means that all of YouTube kids content essentially came from a parody of kids content, which is just fucking weird, but totally possible. Um, but I, but you know, um, I still just don't think that in this landscape, something like this would show up. It's just so bizarre, especially what it's turned into. I guess that's just fascinating to me. You mentioned, by the way, last episode that you wanted me to, well, you didn't say it explicitly, but you clearly wanted me to check out the episode where Annoying Orange meets Fred, which, yes, is an event that took place on YouTube. Uh, There's a video called Annoying Orange versus Fred, and I know that there's like a... one on Fred's channel where he finds orange at the grocery store. I also watched that. It was not the best. Um, but <laughs> in the Annoying Orange versus Fred episode, Annoying Orange and Fred compete to see who can be the most annoying. And they're so annoying that they blow up the annoying meters and then the building collapses. And um, I, uh, I found that interesting. I mean, for one thing, like, these, like, truly were, at the time, the most annoying YouTube content that existed, without a doubt. Um, in 2010, I mean, 2010, there's just treasure troves of awful content that you can discover, but stuff that's, like, as annoying as Annoying Orange or Fred is probably not going to be easy to find. Um, and the acknowledgement of that so directly um, was uh, definitely something to, to see, for sure. And it's really weird to go back to, because... You know, Fred disappeared, or uh, from YouTube anyway, not too long after this. You know, Fred went on to do some, like, movies and a TV show. And then the the actor who played Fred stopped being Fred. Um, but Annoying Orange is still going. But you watch back to this old time when these two characters were the titans of YouTube comedy in a lot of ways. And it's just so weird. I... I gotta stress that even though I remember these days of YouTube really, really, or actually fairly well, and I even have some nostalgia tied to them, I still cannot put myself in the mindset to understand what was appealing about it. It's kind of like when you go back and watch Neon Cat, for any of you that have seen that, uh, which I would assume most of you have, especially if you were around back then, you've seen it. Um, I think that came out in 2011, but like watching that video is just bizarre, because you have no frame of reference for that kind of humor anymore. You're just looking at it, and you're just like, why did people like this? And I just think that, uh, in, in that sense, Annoying Orange is actually pretty fun to watch. Yes, the classic days of lol so random. 
Yeah, essentially. Uh, may, may they live forever. Well, they, they have. I mean, actually, now that you mention that, like, when you think about it, like, a lot of cartoons um, took this whole thing on and still kind of do to this day. Um, I would argue it seems kind of like Adventure Time was the first one to really embrace it, um, although it was obviously a lot more clever about it. But, um, but like, I, a lot of popular cartoons from, from the last decade and still continuing to today are, are still kind of that. You know, something crazy and ra- wacky random happens. And it came from YouTube. I mean, at least it seems th- to have come from YouTube and the internet. Um, but o- online, that kind of thing is so, like, passe. And it's, like, so behind us now. It's just weird. I just mainly don't like how they have teeth. That is, that, unsettling. that is terrifying, yeah. Okay, Lois, you want to go ahead and wrap this one up? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, scoring the channel, like, what, a 2 out of 10, I guess? I, I don't know why I won't just give it a 1. I'll just give it a 1. Certainly watching, like, the new videos, definitely. Um, but it's, like, for babies, so it's, like, who am I to judge on that? Um Again, I, I kind of mildly like the first episode. I don't like it a lot, but I at least can see something in it. Um, but after that, like, <laughs> after that, it is just the worst. Um, I mean, literally, like, episode two and onward, I was just like, what the fuck? Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, but I do recommend it. Like, I've been talking about it a lot, because I think this is so fascinating. Like, going back and watching the old Annoying Orange videos... Like you should probably do that. You will you will be baffled um, by some of them, and and like the fact that people loved these so much, it is baffling, but it's interesting. Uh, and if you are around for it and haven't seen it in forever, that then you should definitely go look at it now because it's just weird. And I had a really good time honestly watching through it, not because the videos were good, because they were they were very very painful, but just like thinking about it was just kind of fun, uh, and revisiting it was just like I it was I don't know it was it was a you, it was an interesting experience, um, but that does not reflect to the quality of the content, which is, of course, just awful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what I have to say. Yeah, and I also give it a one, but I'm going to hit you with a strong do not recommend. It, it is definitely a timepiece. And as we mentioned, it's like the sheer amount of content across all of the channels that are associated with this channel, they're that there is it's wild i i don't know if you could ever catch up realistically especially considering they still make content i don't know if you would want to catch up i think it would be such a slog to grind your way through this but it's just crazy to think about yeah and uh, do we want to move on to recommendations let's do it Okay, fantastic. So we've got a, uh, a theme for the next episode. We're going to be continuing with our Best Of series. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we did the Best of the 2010s. Uh, now we are doing the Best of the 1980s. So it's the same rules that apply. Uh, we're both selecting a piece of media from a specific medium um, that uh, we think is either the best or very close to being the best, or I should say one of the best um, pieces of the, uh, reflections of that medium uh, from that decade. So in, in some of these decades, we, we might have already recommended each other what we thought was our favorite from that decade or whatever. So we'll have to kind of go down the list. But that's essentially what 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 we're doing here. And so um, we'll get to that next episode. So what I'm going to recommend for you is uh, 
the album Doolittle by Pixies. Doolittle is actually came out fairly late into the 80s. It was 1989. Um, and uh, I think is uh, sometimes almost gets viewed as like a 90s album just because it was so close to the 90s. And because Pixies were absolutely one of the most influential 80s alternative rock bands um, who continued very, very briefly into the 90s. But um, like Nirvana cites Pixies as such a major influence to the point where Kurt Cobain like just outwardly said that he ripped them off with multiple songs. Um, you know, Pixies, along with bands like R.E.M., Dinosaur Jr., Sonic Youth, and stuff like that, all really contributed a, a ton to the sound of alternative rock that would, of course, become the mainstream version of rock music for the rest of time, from the 90s and onward. Um, that being said, though, I think what uh, Doolittle is um, a very different kind of alt-rock than, than, than what hit it big. A lot weirder, a lot more quirky, and a lot more out there and eccentric. Um, and uh, we can discuss that when we get to it. And, uh, yeah, what do you got for me? So, Louis, I am recommending to you a movie. This is 1987's The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride was directed by Rob Reiner. Um, kind of a modern take on a fairy tale. Uh, pretty straight comedy with a lot of charm. And we will talk about it next time. Fantastic. And um, that just about does it. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on CastBox. Um, if you did that last week, you probably noticed that I didn't put the episode up. Uh, I just put that up today. I kind of forgot. But I usually get them up within a day or so of these coming out. You can listen to them on CastBox. You can listen to them in any other setting um, from now until the end of time or until CastBox shuts down or shuts us down. Who knows? Uh, but... But uh, yeah, we're on there. Links in the, should be in the description. Might not be right now, but I'll get it in there. Um, and uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, do you have anything to add? Nope, nothing else to add. Just as always, thank you for watching and listening. There's a really great watching experience if you're following us along live on YouTube, uh, where we have the same photos every week for eternity. Yeah, and, and it will never change. We will never change it. Uh, and listening on, as Lewis said, either here on YouTube live with us as a VOD on YouTube or on CastBox. We thank you again. Yeah, and uh, join us next time for the best of the 1980s. But as for now, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked. <laughs>